In this chaotic world that we live in, it may be hard to grasp, but there is a sense of calmness inside. On today's episode of The Calm and the Chaos, presented by Your Naked Podcast, we're going to look at inflation. Stay tuned for more. You're at the grocery store, and you haven't been there in a while, and you happened upon your favorite candy. Now, normally, you buy this candy for the movies because it costs a dollar and it came in a conveniently designed cardboard box. And this little cardboard box was so convenient, you could shove it in your pocket and walk right in. However, as you're about to check out, you notice that the item that you got no longer rang up as a dollar. It rang up as a dollar twenty-five. <gasps> the shock and all. Now, being the concerned citizen you are, you turn to the cashier and you say, "Cashier, why is this happening?" The cashier looks at you and says, "Well, that's because of inflation." So you ask yourself. What is inflation? You're listening to Now, your basic uh, strategy or your basic understanding of what inflation is would tell you that it's when the government prints too much money. And while that's technically not completely inaccurate, it's not actually 100% true either. Inflation is a reference to a trend of rising consumer prices, which increase costs of goods and services. In an open market system, it's natural. Part of the other terms you might hear that use the word inflation in it, stagflation, deflation, those are all part of an open market system. And in most open market systems, inflation is predictable. It's, you know, you get an idea of what the market's going to be like. And, and in an open market system, inflation is almost always there. In fact, you want to keep inflation in a target. You know, you, you want to make sure it's low, but not too low, and, and in a stable spot. And that is known as inflation targeting. Now, what we're experiencing is when certain economic conditions cause rise to higher than planned levels of inflation. And when this happens over a long period of time, you get the economy that you're experiencing today. And yes, you have experienced this economy before, especially if you lived back in 2008 when you experienced the Great Recession, otherwise known as the housing crisis. But wait, why are we experiencing this? Why does it feel this way? Well, back in 2008, we are experiencing the same symptoms. The cost of goods has increased, but your wages have not. Now, 
Sounds a little funky and weird, right? Well, yeah, because that's a crazy thing. Now, what makes this economy a little bit different than 2008? Well, 2008 led to the Great Recession. And as we all know what the recession means, it means when things contract, the economy gets smaller. So people lose jobs. On this scenario, it's not a shortage of jobs that we're encountering. It's a shortage of labor. Uh, kind of a kind of a problem. So what does that also mean? Well, companies are starting to face the consequences of not raising their wages, but also increasing their profits. And by doing such a thing, they've caused people who normally would go back to work to not go back to work. What's the point? If you're going to be poor, you might as well be poor and not kill yourself doing it, right? It makes makes sense. And what else has happened since 2008? Well, guess what? Collective bargaining rights, the whole thing with labor unions being attacked, that has changed. So, let's talk more about inflation and what the hell is going on here. So, how is inflation measured? There's many different ways to measure it, and usually each different form of measurement is a little bit different, but it all kind of runs hand in hand. And uh, that's why when you look at one form of measurement of inflation, it's not really far different than the other. Another thing to also remember is that inflation is almost always here. And that will show up in almost all forms of measurement. But one of the most, uh, or the best known examples of a form of measurement of the uh, inflation is something called consumer price indexes, or CPI. It measures changes in the average costs of various widely used and staple goods. Specialized CPIs track inflation in specific sectors, such as food costs, energy, utilities, or the economy. And another benchmark of the CPI leaves out energy and food costs as they tend to fluctuate a great deal. This metric, often known as CPI, less food and energy. Ooh, shocking term. These measures changes in the cost of just about everything you cannot eat or use as fuel. Okay. Another way to calculate inflation is what's called a personal consumption expenditure, PCE. And this is a price index. You may hear this referred to as consumer spending. It's similar to the CPI. It measures prevailing costs of goods and services, but it also considers services that consumers rarely pay for themselves, such as healthcare delivery and covered by insurance plans. The core PC index looks at PCE data, but also excludes energy and food. This measurement is what the U.S. Federal Reserve uses to set its inflation targets. I remember we talked about that. You remember that? We talked about inflation targets. And that leads us to types of inflation. So what are the types of inflation that are out there? Here we go. Ready? Demand pull inflation, which is basically when the economy grows so fast that there's 
so much demand for a product, but not enough supply, is the sad thing. And then there's cost push inflation. This occurs when there's a rise in prices of raw materials, like higher taxes and stuff like that. Then there's some terms called that uh, measure um, the rate for which inflation increases, such as disinflation, which is a falling rate of inflation, creeping inflation, which is low but consistently creeping up inflation. And then there's walking inflation, which is inflation rates that fall between 2 to 10%. And then there's running inflation, which is uh, anything from 10 to 20%. Now, demand pull inflation will typically occur when the economy is growing faster than the long-run trend rate of growth. So we all know that there's always supply-demand issues and all that stuff. But, you know, when economists or, or when a company produces a good, they have an idea of how much demand there's going to be. And the nation in itself, like there's microchips and all this stuff. And we know how much demand there was going to be, but then all of a sudden there's a supply shortage. So the demand is far as exceeds the long run trend rate of growth demand exceeds supply, firms usually and always, not usually, they always respond by pushing up prices. The idea of that they can make the money, why not, right? The best way to look at this is back in the UK, uh, they experienced what they call a demand for inflation during the late uh, 80s. It was fueled by rising house prices, high consumer confidence, and tax cuts. The economy was growing by about 5% a year, but this caused supply bottlenecks, and they responded by putting up prices. Therefore, the inflation rate increased. Cost push, now like I said before, occurs when there's an increase in the cost of production of firms, and that causes the supply, you know, to be more expensive. Um, what could cause such a thing? Well, take a look at rising energy and commodity prices, and taxes, um, you name it. A lot of things can factor into the rising of cost, labor increases, all that stuff. Excuse me. Then there's something called a wage push inflation. Now, this is when rising wages tend to cause inflation. In effect, this is a combination of demand pull and cost push inflation. So wages increase and just kind of happens to be uh, part of the whole thing. And so when the raises increase, when wages increase, what of course do the companies do? Rather than cut their profit margins, they just pass on that increase to you, the consumer. Hey, lucky you. You know that guy who needs a living wage? Well, guess what? You're paying for that increase. Imported inflation is a deprecation in the exchange rate will make imports more expensive. De- sorry, not deprecation. Depreciation in the exchange rate will make imports more expensive. That will therefore increase the prices solely due to the exchange rates. 
Um, core inflation, well, let's take a moment here. Inflation rate can also increase due to temporary factors such as increasing indirect taxes. If you increase something from 17.5% to 20%, all goods which are applicable will be about 2.5% more expensive. However, this price will rise will only last a year. So it's not a temporary, it's not permanent uh, effect. It's what they call a temporary factor in inflation. Then there's core inflation. Um, this is when the inflation rate excludes temporary volatile factors, such as energy and food prices. So this is a inflation rate that takes out those things that could drastically change. And... Um, measures it different, differently. So energy, food, alcohol, tobacco is more constant. There's also other terms of inflation. Like we talked about the creeping inflation, the walking inflation, the running inflation, but any rate of inflation that falls between 20% to 1,000% is what's called a galloping inflation. At this rapid rate of price increases, inflation is a serious problem, and it becomes challenging to control. So there is no universally agreed definition, but hyperinflation usually implies over a thousand percent here. So hyperinflation, like I said, is usually anything over a thousand percent, and and usually involves prices changing so fast that it becomes a daily occurrence. And under hyperinflation, the value of money will rapidly decline. Some other terms you might be familiar with with inflation is called shrinkflation. This is when the price stays the same, but the product or the size of the good actually becomes smaller. Effectively, a price increase on a smaller product. Disinflation, like we talked about before, is a fall in inflation rate. It means prices are increasing at a slower rate. And then deflation is a fall in prices, a negative inflation rate. So I didn't explain that earlier, but disinflation is when the inflation rate falls, but it's still increasing at a slower pace. And then deflation is when the prices fall and then gives a negative inflation rate. I want to take you back in time for a moment because historically speaking, we've had inflation for thousands of years. It's not a new concept that just happened in the last century. It's been here for a long, long time. In fact, you can witness it with ancient China. When the Song Dynasty introduced the practice of printing money, they used it to create a fiat currency, which is the system we have now, you know, the dollars and all that stuff. Then when the Yuan Dynasty uh, went, came, took over, and, you know, they, they, whatever, they printed a lot of money because they had a lot of costly wars. So their solution was to make more money, right? It, and, uh, but that then caused inflation, like a skyrocket. And so the Ming Dynasty rejected the use of paper and went back to copper coins. 
that was their way of combating inflation. So, now if you look back at Western Europe, they experienced in about the first half of the 17th century what they call a price revolution, which is a major inflationary cycle with prices on average rising perhaps sixfold over 150 years. This is often attributed to gold and silver from the New World into Spain with wider availability of silver and it previously cash-starved Europe causing widespread inflation. The European population rebound from the Black Death began before the arrival of New World metal and may have began a process of inflation that New World silver compounded later in the 16th century. So what causes inflation? This is a big question that a lot of economic literature has addressed. And since the 20s, we can divide it into two broad groups. The monetarist view and the Keynesian view. The the monetarist view believe that the most significant factor influencing inflation or deflation is how fast the money supply grows or shrinks. They consider fiscal policy, government spending, taxes, and as ineffective in controlling inflation. They assert that the empirical study of monetary history shows that inflation has always been a monetary phenomenon. The quantity theory of money, simply stated, says that any change in the amount of money in a system will change the price level. This theory begins with the equation of exchange, MV equals PQ, where M is the nominal quantity of money, V is the velocity of money in final expenditures, P is the general price level, and Q is an index of the real value of final expenditures. Now, monetarists assume that the velocity of money is unaffected by monetary policy in the long run, and the real value of output is determined in the long run by the productive capacity of the economy. So, overall, um, a monetarist believe it's how much money is made or not made in, in a simple form. Now there's the Keynesian view. This is the Keynesian economics. Proposes that changes in the money supply do not directly affect prices in the short run, and that visible inflation is the result of demand pressures in the economy expressing themselves in prices. Such things that would fall into that category, demand pull inflation, cost push inflation, built-in inflation, demand pull theory, Um, All this stuff. So they don't necessarily believe that more money printed is necessarily the the sole cause of inflation. They don't necessarily say it's not, but they rely more on the supply-demand aspect of products. And they determine that that's inflation. Here's something we know. Um, 
we can always draw a connection between inflation and unemployment. Especially since the 19th century, you can see all those kind of work hand in hand. Now, the unemployment rate only affects inflation in the short term, but not long term. In the long term, the velocity of money is far more predictive of inflation than low unemployment. So, and we can go on and on in about in a more complicated economics in terms of the causes, but basically there's two methods of thought. One is that the more money you make, you know, print and, and distribute affects inflation. And then there's the, the Keynesian way, which is that's more based on supply and demand. So, there you go. And that is the types of our causes. So, how do we fix inflation? I mean, you, you're always going to have it, but how do we get it to a level that's manageable and livable? Well, there's many different ways to do it, and not all of them are effective. Some, depending on the type of inflation, are more effective than others. But one of the most agreed upon consensus is that monetary policy needs to happen. And my monetary policy means uh, basically the money supply. Like, how much money are you printing out, really? That's one way. Um, a control on the exchange rates. That's another way, you know, making sure that they're fixed rather than fluctuating in exchange rates between countries. Um, in the United States, what they're doing right now to combat inflation is by um, increasing the interest rate, basically hoping that the uh, increased interest rate will decrease the amount of demand, so then it will therefore, the demand will kind of match more of the supply. You could go back to the gold standard, which is having your dollar backed by gold, or you could go with something, you know, uh, wage and price controls, which goes back into income policies. They're regarded as more of a temporary solution, and they're only effective when companies coupled with um, other policies that are designed to reduce the causes of inflation. So there you go. It sounds simple, but I mean, in an economic standpoint, it's really about controlling how much money you print, and it's also about controlling how much demand and supply you can make. You don't want to have too much demand of a product and not enough supply that jacks up prices immensely, and especially if it's a good or product that is widely used, such as energy or, you know, housing material, stuff like that. But here's some underlying things. We've always had inflation. So as chaotic as it may seem, this isn't the worst we've had. it, And it's definitely not going to be the only time we're going to see inflation get high. This is a part of a normal open market economy. So we're going to see inflation go really high. We're going to see it get dipped down. But as long as we keep policy, keep demand, and keep being honest with ourselves, we'll be all right. I'm your Naked Dad, and this is your Naked Podcast. Now, we've talked about hyperinflation. We've talked about walking inflation. We've talked about inflation on everything. 
and we've even talked about how wages affected how you know inflation is caused you know was affected you know by supply chains and all that whole thing but one thing we haven't talked about is how corporations and their profits affect inflation corporate greed is one of the biggest contributing factors to inflation more than in your supply chain. Let me explain. So normally wages and labor costs go hand in hand with you know rising wages and rising costs to make a product, create an inflation to go up. Problem is Wages haven't seen an increase, especially not even significantly enough to meet the increase in products. And this increase in product cost, as well as increasing profit points, has reduced one thing with you. Because your wages haven't increased, so what's the problem? Your purchasing power has declined, causing an economic problem known as profit price inflation. It's caused by corporations raising their prices above their increasing costs, meaning the cost to make the product has increased, but you know what? So what? We're going to increase the profits more. So let me give you an example. Let's say it cost McDonald's five cents before COVID to make a cheeseburger. That's including labor and everything else. And then COVID hits and the cost McDonald's six cents to make a cheeseburger. Well, profit price inflation, McDonald's will go, you know what? We're going to raise that cost to make a cheeseburger to eight cents and tack that on to you, the consumer. And they're using increasing costs of materials, components, and labor as excuses to increase their prices even higher, resulting in bigger profits for them. And it's also what they're using as an excuse to decline your wage increase. Hence why your purchasing power is declined. And when your purchasing power is declined, inflation goes up because you can't buy. Another way to get rid of this or to combat this is to really look at some several big factors. One. Less competition in the markets creates higher prices. Even if you're not looking at inflation, it's an economic uh, standard of rule. More competition drives down costs for consumers. Think about this. Um, in 1980, there was 12 airline carriers. Today, there's just four. And what happens to your ticket prices? They've done nothing but go up, up, up. You've got five giant banks. In fact, take a look at your grocery bill. Okay, For instance, 85% of meat and poultry is controlled by four companies. That's not much competition. Competition drives down costs, drives down inflation. So, how... What do we do about corporate greed? Well, you've got some options. You've got bold antitrust enforcement. 
something like that can, you know, a credible threat can cause companies to back off. You've got uh, windfall profits tax, which means that the increase in, in, in profits would also be an increase in taxes that they pay. And it'd be temporary, depending on how much they go. And you campaign for more unions and more things to increase your wages. That's how you combat and its impact on inflation. So how do we fix all this? Well, there's several ways to do it. One would be price controls. That should be a backstop. The inflation that we're experiencing, we've also experienced before, right after the Second World War. Back then, economics advocated temporary price controls to buy time to overcome supply bottlenecks and prevent corporate profiteering. Do the same now. Limited price controls would do the same thing and have the same effect. Another thing that you can do as a consumer is don't buy from big stores. Let me rephrase that. Make sure that you are doing your due diligence to buy products from places made near you. You know someone who's making soaps, selling it at the local shop? Buy from them. Local stores and small businesses are tend not to have profit price inflation because they're competing with the big brands and they are competing with other small businesses and competition. They can't afford prices to be sky high. So there's those ways. Another ways is obviously antitrust enforcement. Windfall profit taxes would be another way. And another way is to realize the fact that all these things help help control and quell inflation. Um, obviously, greed is a huge factor. But another thing to consider is that we didn't prepare for the pandemic. We were ill-prepared all across the world, even though we had the intelligence to figure this out. And because of that, supply chains were affected. Everything was affected. And it will rebound. The economy will turn itself around. It's how we handle it now so it turns around for the better. That concludes today's episode of The Calm in the Chaos, our episode on inflation. Next week, we're going to talk about school shootings. As always, Emma, this one's for you. I'm your Naked Dad, and this is Your Naked Podcast. See you next week. You're listening to Your naked, your naked podcast. With your host,